Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's part two of our interview with ESPN's Jordan Reed. We're taking a look at the college football season that was in 2021 and get Jordan's top three players by position for this previous college football season, which now is a wrap, moving into bowl season. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and pick it right back up with part two of my interview with ESPN's Jordan Reed. And joining us now for the second consecutive Drive Time Podcast, happy to have him on, Jordan Reed. Jordan, welcome back in, my friend. Always a pleasure being here, Travis. Thanks as always. If you guys didn't hear the first part of this podcast, Jordan told us about the 2021 rookie class, Tua Tungavailoa's development, and much, much more. He also, We also did the congratulations about getting hired by ESPN, a dream come true for him and, and for so many folks that kind of work this, this career path in the draft industry. So if you haven't heard that episode, go ahead and go back, check it out. And Jordan, Christmas is coming up right around the corner. You've got those two little girls. What are you getting them for Christmas, man? I need some ideas. Help me out here. Man, so we're still in the stage of Disney. Everything is <laughs> Disney right now. So we're dealing with Moana. We're on Mickey and Minnie Mouse right now. So just trying to get everything Disney related right now. So, I mean, there's no limits. <laughs> Anything Disney we're going to have under the Christmas tree this year. That's incredible. This will be our first Christmas where she's actually like capable of opening presents. Last year she was a little bit too young, but now right, ab- mm-hmm. right around 20 months I think I cannot wait to watch her tear into gifts. I don't even care what I get her. She's not going to care either. She's going to play with the boxes that she gets more than <laughs> anything. So that's that's about where we're at. But Jordan, we wanted to have you on today because you know I want to have you help me and my audience understand better this college football landscape. It's been a fun season. I don't get to watch as much of the live broadcast anymore because I'm so busy with, with the Dolphins and everything. But I wanted to go position by position here. And would you be able to give me your top three players by position from the 2021 season? Yeah. I mean, this has been a very fun college season so far. And I mean, let's get right into it. I'm excited. You bet. Let's go ahead and start with the position. You used to play the Cubes, the quarterbacks. Let's go, baby. What are your top three quarterbacks this last season? Yeah. So this past season, this past college season, I should say, has been very exciting. And it's been a little bit different as far as the quarterbacks, just because we've been so spoiled with a quarterback class over the past two or three years. I mean, you guys took one with Tua Tungabailoa, who's turned into a terrific player. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. I mean, the list goes on and on of some of these quarterbacks that we have seen. Even last year's Big Five with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, uh, Mac Jones, and then Zach Wilson, too. But the thing that's a little bit different about this class is that there's no consensus one guy at the top. But the one that you will hear pretty much for the most part or the betterment up until April, I think, is Kenny Pickett from Pitt. And he's been phenomenal this year. I mean, he's thrown a record 42 touchdown passes in the ACC. Terrific background. Was a three-sport athlete coming out. Baseball player, basketball player was a point guard coming out too. And, you know, the thing that I love about Kenny is that, you know, he, he plays exactly to his strengths. And he may not be as physically gifted as some of the other quarterbacks in this class, but what it comes down to in the NFL is can you win from the pocket? And he has the decision-making that you're looking for. He's very accurate. I think he probably has a B-level arm 
right now. I'm looking forward. To, I'm hoping he plays in the Senior Bowl. I think he could help him. Yeah, I think he could help himself significantly if he goes down there and plays well in Mobile. And you're hearing a lot of there may not be a quarterback drafted in the top ten, but I think if Pickett goes down there and plays well, I think he could enter into the discussions of going inside the top ten. But you know, last year, or I should say his junior season, he battled through an ankle injury. He got hurt in the fifth game of the season. So you see him limping around and he's battling through. But he was really he finally got healthy this year. And you saw that in his game. He acquired a newfound mobility uh, ability. You saw him with the fake slide in the ACC championship game, taking it 50 plus yards in that game in the big win over Wake Forest. So Kenny Pickett is the guy that you're going to hear about at the top. And then the other two to round out just the top three, Matt Corral from Ole Miss, who's done a heck of a job this year in that Lane Kiffin offense. Once again, those this or that throws that you see a lot of the RPO game, he's really good in that area. And then the thing about Corral is that he just needed to take care of the football. And, you know, he had 11 interceptions in two games alone during his redshirt sophomore season in 2020, had six against LSU, and then, or excuse me, six against Arkansas and five against LSU. And that's reduced all the way down to four interceptions total this year. So he's done a much better job of taking care of the ball. And then the last one I think could be up for a debate. You can see Sam Howell from North Carolina. You can see Malik Willis from Liberty. You can see Carson Strong from Nevada. And then Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, who has a big opportunity here in the college football playoff in his first game against Alabama. And then he's already accepted his invitation to the senior bowl. So he he's probably the one player of anybody throughout any position that has the most to gain over the next few weeks in the college football playoff. I'm glad you keep going back to the Senior Bowl because what a job Jim Nagy has done there to get that game to where it is with all of these first-round, second-round, third-round picks, and of course the rest of the draft too, but he just loads that game up with talent every single year. And this would be a good chance, like you mentioned, for Desmond Ritter to get, get out there and maybe solidify him, himself as, what would you say, a, a possible first-round pick maybe? It just depends. If he plays well at the Senior Bowl, I think we could see him start to enter the back end of those first-round discussions. And then also, if he goes out and he play with, plays well against Alabama and they end up winning that game, I mean, we've seen how the yeah. college football playoff can really skyrocket the draft stock of a lot of guys. And we know the postseason all-star circuit can really help guys too. Yeah, the uh, the I, I don't want to use the word uncertainty, but I will around the quarterback position going in, because like you mentioned, all these loaded classes where you knew going in, you had your, you know, I use the air quote, generational types. You had your your risers and all these guys that have produced such a high level. I think it makes for even more intrigue going into the draft when you don't have those four or five guys across the board that you certainly know about as top 10, top 15 level picks. Let's move on now to a position that's also in the backfield, the running backs. I think uh, the last couple of years, we've seen some pretty good classes as well. Does this one kind of match up? And what are your top three guys? Well, it's not as loaded as we, as we have seen in years past, even going back to the 2019 class, which was really, really talented in 2020 as well. I think both of those classes were loaded. I don't think there's, similar to quarterback, I don't think there's no consensus guy at the top. It's just a matter of which type of flavor, what scoop of ice cream really floats your boat, <laughs> whatever type that you like. And, you know, Brees Hall from Iowa State is one that you're going to hear a lot about, 24 rushing touchdowns straight. Um which was an FBS record that he set this year at Iowa. Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M is another name that you hear about. Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State, who was phenomenal this year after he transferred over from Wake Forest. And, I mean, there's plenty of other names that you can go on and on about. I really like this senior backfield class, too. You're talking about James Cook, Dalvin Cook's younger brother down at Georgia, who's been used sparingly, but I think he's going to be a much better pro now that he's going to be in a be a bit 
he's going to be able to shine a little bit more in a committee backfield. You have um, Abram Smith from Baylor, who I think is an underrated player too. Brian Robinson Jr. from Alabama. And the list goes on and on, as you can see. I think there's no headliner in this class, but as far as the depth of the group, I think you can really find some guys late day two, early day three that can come in and be those immediate type of committee backfield contributors. Didn't Georgia start Cook in the SEC title game? Yeah, they did. And that was after he'd been kind of the backup all season long, right? Yeah, and another guy in the backfield, Zamir White, yeah. with him. Yeah, Probably exactly. going to be a late-round guy that I think could go on to be helpful in the committee, too. And I know your former uh, co-worker, Kyle Krabs, love Kyle Krabs here on the Drive Time Podcast. I know you do you do as well. He's a big, uh, a big fan of... Um, the other running back, White, there at Georgia. So good company there. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to the receiver position. I have one guy that I've really zoned in on that I I love watching this season. I'm just going to wait and see if you mention him, but go ahead and talk about your receivers, Jordan. (laughs) Yeah, so this class, it doesn't have the star power at the top like we saw with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith a year ago, but I really like the depth of this class, especially in the first two rounds, and I think we could see as many as five to six guys go in the top 40 we've seen what Jamison Williams at Alabama has been able to do in the SEC championship game and it's crazy that he's fighting for that one that wide receiver one title of the guys that he was in the same wide receiver room with a year ago (laughs) this time last year with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson who are some other guys that I think are going to be fighting to be in that wide receiver one discussion too and I think both of those guys could end up going in the first round but I mean and we didn't even talk about guys like Drake London from USC who was leading the FBS in receptions prior to suffering the lower extremity injury that he suffered. John Dodson from Penn State is another name that really has a lot of people excited. But one of my favorite players in this class as a whole is Traylon Burks from Arkansas. He really reminds me of A.J. Brown coming out of Ole Miss, that linebacker-type build that has plenty of speed to combine with that. So I really like what this wide receiver class has to offer, especially in the first two rounds. Traylon Burks has been breaking Twitter every time he makes a catch. It's always a highlight reel catch yeah. that he makes down there in Arkansas. He's he's impressive. But the guy you actually didn't mention, my guy, uh, Purdue's David Bell. I've been a big fan of his game. Yeah, yeah. He he actually just put a Twitter post up saying that he's not going to play in the bowl game. Him and Carl Loftus. I don't think they're going to play in the bowl game, but they did officially declare for the NFL draft. But yeah, David Bell. I mean, one of the best route runners, and you know, he's probably. I think he's probably going to run in the four or five range, but when you turn on the tape, he just understands how to naturally get open. And he had, I believe it was, um, he had a Purdue record of five 200-yard games in his career. And, I mean, he just set the record books on fire when he was there. And everybody talked about Rondell Moore being the number one option when he was there when David Bell really was the guy that was consistently producing when Rondell Moore was battling his ailments and things that he was going through from an injury standpoint. But Bell has been able to constantly produce when he's been in the lineup. It kind of reminds me of like, you have these different classes of receivers in terms of what they do well, like Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin are two guys that come to mind as dudes that were just route running experts the moment they entered the NFL. Kind of see something similar there with David Bell when I watch him on tape there at Purdue. How about the tight end class, Jordan? This is an area that I sometimes overlook. I don't know why, for whatever reason, tight ends just kind of go past the, by the wayside for me. Can you help educate me on this position? Yeah, so this is a group that has been really underrated right now, in my opinion, just because they're once again like quarterback and then also running back where there's just no consensus guy at the top. But I think one that's really going to rise to the top eventually, especially when we talk about the postseason all-star game, is Trey McBride from Colorado State. He's about six foot four, 260 pounds. He was everything for that offense this year. He had 90 catches 
for over or nearly 1,200 yards, but only had one touchdown. So a little bit of a weird stat how he had so many yards and so many receptions, <laughs> but was only able to get in the end zone one time. But it's because the defenses were so fixated on him where they were able to keep him out of the end zone. But he's your versatile guy. He can line up in line. He can line up to the hip of the tight end. You can all, excuse me, the hip of the offensive tackle, and then you can flex him out too. I think he's probably a B-plus level blocker. Still has some technique things that he needs to clean up as far as running his feet on contact. But he, I mean, he really loves the 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 process of understanding how to block and then just getting involved in the mix of double teams or offensive tackles too. So Trey McBride is probably going to be that guy that I think ends up as the consensus number one guy. Then after that, you have players like Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M who got a lot of buzz coming into the year, had a really good year too. Cole Turner from Nevada who proved to be one of Carson Strong's best options down in Nevada too. And then there's some other players that you're going to hear about too that I think are going to rise to the top eventually too. So I'm really excited about this tight end class. And once again, there's no consensus at the top, but there's a lot of depth throughout. Not like last year with Kyle Pitts, huh? not the same deal there. Yeah, much, much different players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got a chance to watch him in training camp this uh, this past August, and he was fun to watch. Eric Rowe did a good job on him, though, throughout the course of that week. That was a lot of fun for us to watch down here. Let's keep it on that particular part of the field, the offensive line, kick inside here a little bit. Talk to us about this class here, Jordan. You can talk about tackles, guards, centers, whatever you want. Just want to have you educate us on offensive line play in college football. I think this offensive tackle class is loaded. And the crazy thing about it is that we've seen so many good offensive tackle classes over the past few years. They just consistently keep churning them out. College football, I mean, Evan Neal from Alabama is the one that you're going to hear about at the top. Six foot seven, 360 pounds, just a mammoth-sized human being, but also a really good athlete. To Ekim Aquanu from NC State is another player that I had the opportunity to see live against Wake Forest, and he was the real deal. He was every bit of everything that I thought he would be in person. There's some there's some mixed opinions as far as is he, is he a guard or is he a tackle. I think he's shown plenty enough at left tackle this year to show that he can survive out there on an island by himself. Charles Cross from Mississippi State, who's one of my favorites of the bunch, only a redshirt sophomore this year, so we'll see if he ends up declaring and then an underrated FCS player that really has risen through the ranks since summer scouting is Trevor Penny from Northern Iowa, another player that you'll probably start to see here in first-round mock drafts. Northern Iowa, there you go. Is he going to the Senior Bowl? Yes, he's, uh, he was the first selection, or the first acceptance Ooh. of the Senior Bowl. I love that. These uh, smaller school guys, they always seem to find their way down, like a Quinn Minerts or a uh, – uh, Ali Marpet. It seems like every single year yeah. we get a guy that goes down there that comes up and has a big week and then gets drafted in the top couple of rounds there. Let's go ahead and go over to the defensive side here. And Miami's very deep at this position. Interior defensive linemen. Who are some guys you like there? Yeah, and you know, this is one position that hasn't been very good as far as the depth at the top over the past few years. And you know, Christian Barmore is one player that we've seen really had a, a really good year. But Lynn McNeil, Levi Wizzerico up in Detroit, they're two other players that have been contributors. So uh, while there hasn't been the star power that we have seen in years past, you know, like a Quentin Williams or some of the other players that we have seen amongst the interior defensive line class in years past, I think this class is very similar in that there's not a bunch of star power at the top. And I think this is one of the weaker position groups across the board, whether it's offense or defense. So some players that I do like, obviously, you're going to hear about Jordan Davis down at Georgia, who I think is that two down run stuff that is very reminiscent of Linval Joseph when he was coming out of ECU he ended up being a second round pick. Perion Winfrey from Oklahoma is another player that I think is probably going to rise as the draft process goes along. They had a little bit of an unconventional defensive line rotation. 
there at Oklahoma. So he would be in for the first series of the game. And then you wouldn't see him again until about the third or the fourth series of the second quarter. So they had a little bit of a weird rotation there at Oklahoma. But I think he's a player that once he gets more exposure or playing time, I think he's only going to get better. And we're going to see an opportunity for him down at the senior bowl too. Once again, another player that could rise through the ranks. Um, you know, some other players that I like at the position for Darian Mathis from Alabama. He's, I think he's a three down player that showed a lot more juice uh, down the back stretch of the year. You saw him make plays all up and down the field in the SEC title game. And then Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, who was Jordan Davis's running mate along the interior. So while there isn't a bunch of star power at the top, I think there's some players that you can really fill out your depth chart with this group with. I can't even fathom Jordan Davis's size. There's that photo of him where he's with one of his teammates. It might have been who you just mentioned. And then also a staffer who's like a normal size human being. <laughs> and yeah. Jordan Davis towers <laughs> over not just the normal size human being, his teammate too. It's, it's hard to comprehend how big that man is. Yeah, it actually was Devontae Wyatt. He was standing beside. And I think Wyatt's like 6'3, 300 pounds. And he just towered over. <laughs> it's crazy. I've never seen a crazier photo than that. <laughs> oh, man. Let's go ahead and keep this rolling here out to the outside off the edge there. Uh, what do you think about this edge class coming into to December here, bowl season? I love it. I think this is by far the strongest position group across the board of any offense or defense in this draft class. And we've seen Aiden Hutchinson the year that he's been able to put together how well he stood out in the game against Ohio State. He's been doing that all year, set a Michigan single game or single season record in sacks this year. And then the other player that we're probably going to see jockeying back and forth for the possible number one overall selection is Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon who's been able to create constant pressure this year. And he's been a little bit banged up. He had an ankle injury that he suffered against Fresno State. And I thought he showed some spurts of where he looked like the number one overall pick. But I think it's going to come down to, with those two, whether you want the more polished player walking through the door or do you want to take the more high upside type of athlete. And I think with Thibodeau, he reminds me a lot of Davion Clowney coming out of South Carolina of where you saw the splash plays, but you want to see a little bit more of those in-between type of impacts in that gray area of when he's not making those splash plays. So with Hutchinson, I think he's a little bit more diverse as far as his hand usage, his creativity, and then what he's able to do off of the edge as a run defender too. But I mean, outside of that, we have plenty of other players. George Karloftis is another player that you're going to hear about a lot. He just declared for the 2022 NFL draft. Trayvon Walker from Georgia is another player that's still trying to figure out the sum of his parts at about six foot five, 290 pounds. I think he's going to start to creep up a little bit more draft boards too. So I'm really excited about this edge class. Do you think that first pick will be either Thibodeau or um, Hutchinson? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we're still five months away yeah. from the draft, so we can't speak in absolutes, but um, if I had to guess right now, and if I had to put one down to Sharpie and, and who I had to guess would go number one overall, it'd definitely be one of those two. Will you give me which one you think it is? So I'm leaning towards <laughs> Hutchinson just because, you know, it, it's a great story. Him staying in state, the Michigan angle, uh, him being a Michigan guy, staying, and this is assuming Detroit gets the number one overall pick, but it would be a great story for him being staying at home, being a hometown kid, and then going on to be uh, the number one overall pick. He just seems like a Dan Campbell type of guy, just the way he loves the game. So I would go with Hutchinson right now. Yeah, he would pair well there with the defensive tackles they drafted this year and, and brought into to Detroit this past season. Uh, I'm also hoping to get across the street here and go watch that Georgia-Michigan game and get a chance to look at him firsthand. You going to be at any of the college playoff games, Jordan? 
So I'm not going to be at the college football playoff. Um, that's something I'm still working out the kinks with. I'm still a new guy at yeah. ESPN. So um, that's something that I do plan to do next year. I definitely want to get there uh, for next year's college football playoff. But I will be at the Duke Mayo Bowl between South Carolina and North Carolina. I'm crossing my fingers that Sam Howell does play yes. in that game. So I want to see him throw live. But also South Carolina has an edge rusher that I want to see in Kingsley, Kingsley Ignagbury. He's a player that I think is going to be in contention to be a top 40 pick. So crossing my fingers that both of those guys do end up playing. But if they don't, it's completely understandable. Yeah, I'll cross my fingers for you on that too. And if you do come down for an Orange Bowl, look me up. We'll, we'll get together and, and hang out. Let's go ahead and, and knock out these other three position groups here, starting with the off-ball linebackers. What do you think about that group, Jordan? Yeah, I like this group a lot, especially at the top. N'Kobe Dean from Georgia is one player that you hear about, and he's a player that I say he just plays like he has an energy. He just plays like he has a battery pack in his back, and it doesn't lose any notches on the battery at all. And he was the, the, the catalyst of that vaunted Georgia defense prior to them playing Alabama. Of course, we were talking about this possibly being one of the best college defenses ever, but it doesn't take long to find number seven continue where you're looking up that defense and there's so many talented players on that group it says a lot with him still still being able to stick out amongst his peers and his counterparts in that defense and another player that I absolutely love is Devin Lloyd from Utah we saw what he was able to do in the Pac-12 championship game a converted safety um, and he still has those loose movements that you see at the position fantastic in coverage run hit type of linebacker loves the physicality portions of the game has six and a half sacks this year, So that goes to show you that he's having a negative effect behind the line of scrimmage, too. He has fantastic blitz value, too. So I really like what Devin Lloyd brings to the table. Uh, and then the last linebacker that I wanted to mention, who I think is an underrated player, who was N'Kobe Dean's running mate, was Channing Tindall. Never started a game at Georgia, but he still was Georgia's leading tackler, which I think says a lot yeah. about him. And he's about six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds. And once again, another player that we'll see down at the senior bowl. I think he's quickly gonna rise up draft board just because he's gonna test really, really well. I really hope we get a chance to see Devin Lloyd at the Rose Bowl and he doesn't opt out for that game because that'll be a fun one to watch for for college football fans everywhere and draft fans as well. Two more position groups, Jordan, with the cornerbacks. Pat, uh, we had Pat Sertan go last year. He's having a great season so far this year. Is it still Derek Stingley at the top of that class? TBD, I'll say to be decided. And you're seeing Stingley go at the top of mock drafts right now. But that 2019 season kind of has lost a little bit of its luster, especially with him being banged up over the past two years. But he still was a really good player. But it's just a matter of do you trust that elite level of play transitioning all the way over from 2019. And he has some things that he needs to clean up as far as the injury, the durability stuff that he needs to go through. But as far as the patience, um, just the technique that he plays with and just how dependable of a man cover corner that he can be. It reminds me a lot of Marshawn Lattimore when he was coming out of Ohio State and we saw an immediate impact that he was able to make being the defensive rookie of the year and then just how well of a career he's going on to have. So I think Stingley still is the guy at the top but it's just a matter of him answering some of those durability questions. But this group overall was by far my favorite to study of any of this groups because, I mean, we could see as many as four or five guys go in the first round. And after Stingley, you're talking about Kyer Elam from uh, Florida, a player who has a very notable name. His uncle was actually Matt Elam that was a first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens a few years ago. Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson, who really came on during the backstretch of the year. Last time we saw him, was against South Carolina. He had two interceptions, should have been three in that game. Trent McDuffie is another name that you'll hear from Washington. And then another player that I got to see live that I was blown away by was Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, 
Uh, he's every bit of six foot three. About I would say he's probably about 190 to 195 pounds. But if you're looking for a good on good matchup that I think is going to be box office worthy, watch him against Jamison Williams in the college football playoff. You're talking about two players that I think are probably going to be near the top or at the top of their position groups. Yeah, I was going to say, my eyes probably won't leave that matchup in that game uh, coming up here on New Year's Eve. Now, you talked a little bit about their, about Kyer Elam and, and Matt Elam, who was a safety. Go ahead and finish up there. Jordan, I'm one of these weird guys that loves watching the safeties. I've heard that other draft you know, pe- gurus and, and analysts don't really prefer it because it's you only get a few notable impact plays per game. Do you feel that same way? And I'll also talk about your safety class here. Yeah, I think it's the most difficult position to evaluate just because let's just say you're talking about a free safety or you're studying a free safety and he's just sitting on the roof the entire (laughs) game. But if you get a team that runs the ball 30 to 35 times in that game, they're just sitting back there not doing anything. So you just feel like you wasted a whole hour watching this guy when you (laughs) the same clean notepad that you had coming to the evaluation. You don't know anything about it. So. It's just a matter of with safeties, you just have to be really patient when you're evaluating them just because there's some games where they don't do absolutely anything. But those games that you do you do see them wearing different hats or satisfying the roles that they're playing in, you just have to take as much as you can from those games. So you have to be patient with those safety evaluations. And I think it's by far the most difficult position to evaluate. Yeah, I, I... I agree. I, I agree with you on that. But it's, at the same time, when they do show up, maybe that's what I get so excited about because they do come down and appear on the screen. It's like, oh, okay, he can play a little bit. Like I remember Derwin James yeah. is that way for me, and and then obviously Javon Holland too recently. But who is who are those guys this year? Who's your possible top uh, draft picks this year at safety? I mean, it all starts with Kyle Hamilton at He's the so top. Good. I mean, we're talking about a player that possibly could go in the top five or six picks and. He's that term that we like to use in scouting and that he's just a unicorn. And everybody has seen the play that he made against Florida State of where he was the single eye safety. He comes all the way out off the center of the center field and then he comes all the way to the out of bounds line and makes an interception. Just having that type of range, the fluidity at six foot four, 215 pounds to come downhill the way that he does and being able to strike ball carries behind the line of scrimmage has those long strides. He's able to cover a lot of ground, very physical as a run defender too. But I think the one question that he's going to have to answer on the next level is just man coverage, just because he wasn't used in that facet a lot at Notre Dame outside of the red zone. The red zone is really the only area where they used him in the red zone. And then when they did, he got a couple of, of holding penalties. So it's just a matter of him getting more exposure in that area. But he's that type of player that makes everybody's job easier on the first and second level just because of the ground that he's able to cover and the hats that he's able to wear on the third level. And it's kind of like, as you mentioned, that Derwin James effect of where he's able to play so many different positions. Do you think he could wind up as a second pick in the draft after one of those defensive ends goes off or maybe third behind both of them? I don't think so, just because of the positional value. It's very rare to see a safety go that early. I don't think we've had a safety go top three since like the 1980s. The stat is escaping me. I actually looked it up this morning. I think it was like 1981, the last time we saw a safety (laughs) go top three. So I don't think he'll go that early. But I think, you know, top eight, I could see somebody investing in him that early. But this safety class is loaded. And I tweeted this out yesterday in that. I think we could see as many as, you know, six or seven go in the top 100. And Jordan Battle from Alabama is one that I have enjoyed studying. We saw what he was able to do with the pick six in the SEC championship game. He really could add two if he would have caught the one in the first quarter. He's really played well during the backstretch of the season. Jaquan Brisker is another player that I think is probably going to get first round considerations from Penn State. He's that true traditional uh, 
free safety that I think also can come down and play in the box too, the way that they have been able to use him. And, you know, one that I like that I think is really underrated is Brian Cook from Cincinnati. I was able to see him play live along with Amaya Gardner down at East Carolina. I was really impressed by him. Daxton Hill was another player from Michigan that you hear about that's played more of a nickel slot role. I think that's probably what he's going to have to be on the next level. So there's so many different shapes and sizes that these guys come in in different roles that they can satisfy. I like the safety class a lot from top to bottom. That's awesome to hear, Jordan. And the entire thing was awesome, man. We appreciate your time so much today. I'll get let you get out of here. You've been with me for the last hour, so I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to make that happen. Uh, where can the people find you, and when does your workload as far as publishing content really ramp up so we can, we can consume that as much as we possibly can? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D on Twitter. And then you can find all my work on ESPN.com. Just have one article a week coming out right now. But once we once we hit January and then postseason all-star game circuit starts to ramp up, you start to see me more um, on SportsCenter. You'll see me more uh, with Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay on some of our draft day type of profiles on each team and then position groups and things of that nature too so i'm excited about doing all of that stuff so be on the lookout for all of that yeah man i'm excited to watch all that and see you do your thing man again congratulations and you got your check check mark back didn't you yeah i got it back that was on me though i changed my name by accident and then i lost it i didn't know if you change your name on twitter that you lose your check mark yeah. so uh, luckily i espn was able to Help me get that back. So yeah, <laughs> happy to have that back. <laughs> nice little flex there from the from the from the from the brand there. Not not too bad. Jordan, thanks again, man. I'll let you get out of here. We appreciate your time today, my friend. No problem. Thanks as always, Travis. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure being here with you. The very best in the game. And I know you guys probably couldn't. I know you couldn't see it because it's on a video that you don't get to see right now. But my face lit up when he talked about being on Sports Center to watch him go from you know amateur draft analyst to the top of the top of the big leagues right now no one's more deserving than Jordan Reed so awesome to see I cannot wait to watch him do his thing like I mentioned on television with Mel Kuyper on SportsCenter all that fun stuff all right let's go ahead and get out of here that's been my time you can all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts leave us a rating leave us a review you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Wingful NFL follow the team at Miami Dolphins across all social platforms check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ the YouTube YouTube channel for all of our media availabilities as well as Dolphins Today with Joanna Torres, Rachel Smith, and occasionally myself, and of course MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, Daddy's coming home. <laughs>